0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're hanging out after hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Good evening, Gamecock fans. Um, Happy to have you here on Monday night. It's Monday night at 9 p.m., which means we talk Gamecock sports on the Late Night Gamecock Show. Uh, You know, kind of a a tough week for Gamecock men's basketball for sure. Uh, Gamecock women's basketball, still undefeated. Um, Now, I think, has the longest SEC win streak in um, sec women's college basketball history. Uh, the baseball team had a great weekend. I haven't checked the score on softball. Maybe you guys can help me out with that. I don't know if they've actually, I think they started, they were in a tournament, but, uh, maybe you guys can help me out with that. But, um, what's up, Craig. Good to see you, Michael. Good to see you. Um, I think the best, the best place to start this, um, this show, and we're going to have plenty of basketball talk, but I kind of want to talk about baseball, uh, South Carolina traditionally has one of the best baseball um, programs in the country, and there are high expectations for the Gamecocks this year. So Gamecocks opened their season um, at home at Founders Park uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, in case you missed it, the Gamecocks won the first game 5-1, to one, the second game 11-4, to four, and then um, won 14-0 in seven innings on Sunday. And Sunday actually featured a no-hitter, a combined no hitter for the Gamecocks. I think the first time that's happened since 2015 or something like that. And only the third um, combined no hitter or no hitter of any kind for Gamecock baseball all time. I think the last, the first time it happened was in like 1953. So I'm really excited for the men's, the men's baseball team. I'm talking about the softball team. Uh, Phil, just let me know they won four or five in Mexico. Uh, The softball team's looking very, very strong. They're ranked in the preseason so Gamecock athletics is, is really, really looking strong right now. And, and the men's basketball team is looking strong as well. When you look at the season in its totality, but um sticking with baseball real quick, uh, five to one in the first game, it was a four o'clock first pitch on Friday. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there was a very moving, um, very moving Tommy Moody, um, video. And just, just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my words here, but, just a really good contribution to you know Tommy Moody's legacy that the Gamecock baseball team and University of South Carolina put together. It was It was something special and Phil, Phil's the best producer in the game. Um, a tribute to Tommy Moody. Um, it, it'll, it'll it'll jerk some tears. Uh, it, it's something that I think all Gamecocks should watch though. Uh, just to kind of understand what Tommy was about and you know the, the biggest gamecock of them all. No one loved the Gamecocks like Tommy Moody did. And the Gamecocks got it done on opening day. Uh, 5-1, the game really kind of got out of hand for Miami, Ohio in the second inning. I think the Gamecocks put up a five spot in the second inning. Uh, It got a little hairy, though. Um, I think in the seventh inning, I think Miami had the bases loaded with no outs. Chris Veach came in, shut them down, and then the Gamecocks kind of rolled on through the end of that game. I think there was one more opportunity that kind of got kind of dicey for the Gamecocks, but... Gamecocks won 5-1, 11-4 on Saturday, and then 14-0, like I said, on Sunday. So, the Gamecocks, in, in most polls, from the top 25. Um, if you go to GamecocksOnline.com and, and you look at the season so far and the schedule, uh, let's see, my computer blacked out. There we go. Um, not sure what happened there, but um, the Gamecocks are ranked 25th in the country, um, and, like, the one of the three college baseball polls, but most of them have the Gamecocks in that, that 12 to 17 to 25 range, which I think is probably a little low, a little low for the Gamecocks. But looking at the series, uh, Gamecocks didn't get a lot of balls to hit. Um, They actually drew 33 walks in, um, in the three games. They only struck out four times or they struck out 18 times and they had, um, let's see, five hit by pitches. So, Ah, uh, thirty-eight free base runners for the Gamecocks this past weekend, and I, I heard John Whittle mention this um, maybe on the Big Spur, but he kind of talked about you know the average might not be what you want to see a two eighty six average, but the Gamecocks really didn't get a lot to hit. Um, Ethan Petry, you know, picked up right where he left off. He had two home runs in Game Two, so he is um, he's doing big things there. And Phil, maybe you can find that tribute to Tommy Moody. Um, I think it's on YouTube. Maybe you can drop that in the chat there for, for Craig. But um, I know that the radio broadcast is going to put something on YouTube as well. Uh, but it, but it's out there. Um, you can find it. But Cole Messina, um, what can you say about Colmasina? He had a double three hits, um, three RBIs, uh, four total bases, three walks, only two strikeouts on the weekend. Um, didn't have to play much on Sunday. Uh, Dylan Brewer had five RBIs. Um, Blake Jackson had five RBIs, Tyler Colsey, um, really good to see him in a Gamecock uniform, had two RBIs, uh, Ethan Petry three. So the Gamecocks got RBIs from all over the place. Will Tippett had three RBIs. Um, so I think at the end of the day, the Gamecocks did exactly what they needed to do. Um, three for three on stolen bases. Yeah, Michael, absolutely. Um, Kimball was, was something, something special. I had a friend who played college baseball, um, text me and some other friends in the group chat and just said, wow, that dude is an animal. Uh, so all the stuff for Roman is, is definitely deserved. I think that him kind of still working off of that injury. He suffered about a week into the season uh, or a week into the preseason week before the season in the preseason. Uh, I think that that that's really helped Roman to kind of settle in and not have to be pushed too hard. Um, yeah, Craig, I agree with you. Good to see Petri going center to right center. Um, shows he's staying on the ball, not trying to pull. Casas is the best when he's doing that too. Yeah, Casas is is kind of that guy that he tried to pull a lot last year. And, you know, if he can just stay on the ball and make contact, he's he's a good enough hitter. He's a really great hitter, actually, um, when he just stays on the ball. I think that um, the Gamecocks are probably going to be pretty good offensively this year. I think the biggest question was kind of the starters when it comes to SEC play, maybe some Saturday guys not really a Friday guy, but I thought Eli Jones pitched phenomenally. He's he's just a gamer. He's going to grind out games. He's going to throw some innings, and um, to have a guy like Chris Veach that can come in in any situation um, is is huge for the Gamecocks as well as a relief pitcher. Um, getting some more pitches outside of his curveball, he's going to be somebody I think is going to be absolutely dynamite uh, this season. So, Gamecock baseball, you don't really learn a lot in the first three games of the season you learn more. Um, you know, once you get to that Clemson series, you kind of have a feeling, um, based on how Carolina and Clemson perform against each other. And then, you know, before you know it, we're going to be an sec play. There are two midweek games this week. Uh, I think that they play Tuesday and, and Wednesday. I can't remember who they play. It's either Winthrop or Wofford, I think on Tuesday. And then they play Queens on Wednesday for some midweek baseball action, which is, which is always fun. Yeah. Winthrop and Queens. Thanks, Phil. Um, so Gamecocks, Gamecock fans, you know, you're going to get an opportunity to watch a lot of sports right now. You got, you know, probably five baseball games a week, you know, for the near future. You got two basketball games. Um, most weeks going forward, you're going to have the SEC basketball tournament, the SEC women's tournament. Um, the women are still looking for history, looking for that perfect season. And, and right now I haven't seen anybody that can really stand in their way for, for a whole four quarters. So we're in the heart of, of sports right now. And, you know, baseball season is always one of my favorite seasons because there's so many games. There's 56 in the regular season, and it really kind of gets you through these dog days of summer. And before you know it, before you know it, we're going to have spring practice. We're going to be talking about football. We're going to have the spring game. It's going to be really exciting to see the things that Sean Elliott is going to be able to bring to the table. I don't think we've talked about Sean Elliott returning to South Carolina uh, on this show in particular. I think the news broke um, past Monday of last week. But having Sean Elliott come back in, getting that zone read action back in the Gamecocks' offense, um, having the opportunity to really, really jumpstart the Gamecock running game—that that's why that's why he's being brought back. Uh, it's it's almost unbelievable. You can have a sitting head coach decide to come take a non-coordinator position at a power five school, but that's exactly what Sean Elliott did. Uh, Sean was always a pretty decent recruiter. He was always a energetic, um, not really rah 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 necessarily but just gets his teams and his players ready to go take the heads off of the opposition so having having sean back is is phenomenal i know that inside the gamecocks on on their weekday show has covered sean elliott returning to south carolina extensively if if you haven't seen um that coverage i would go back and watch some of these these episodes because it is it is really something special to have a guy like sean who loves south carolina loves the football team, loves the university, loves the state of South Carolina. I know it's been talked about, but his family never moved from South Carolina when he went to Atlanta to coach Georgia state. So, and one of the other things that I thought about when, when Sean Elliott came back and maybe it's been talked about, maybe it hasn't, I I can't remember, but in this transfer portal age, Sean has had to find ways to be creative on the recruiting trail with both, you know, especially high school, high school kids, but he's also seen a lot of talent at that non-Power 5 level. And, you know, looking for diamonds in the rough in the transfer portal is going to be a thing that South Carolina is going to have to rely on. South Carolina is never going to be the team that's going to be able to go grab, you know, eight of the top 50 transfers or 10 of the top 50 transfers or be like Ole Miss where um, they're just going and, and throwing bags at kids and, and getting kids to come to, to Ole Miss. Uh, until South Carolina improves their name, image, and likeness collectives and the amount of money that's you know being contributed to that, um South Carolina's gonna have to continue to mine these lower level programs to find the guys that you know maybe are kind of under the radar. And Sean Elliott has five years at this level. He knows the scouts he's had, he knows the players that are good, and um I think that'll be really, really good for the Gamecocks there. Um yeah, Craig, let's see. This Iowa State-Houston game is going to be great. Did y'all see how, how Virginia Tech beat Virginia? Yeah, 75-41. I was watching that game, Craig, before I came on the air. And you know, we're going to take a, a quick timeout here in a second. We're going to have two of those timeouts tonight. But uh, before we go to timeout, just look. South Carolina got their brains beat in by Auburn. But Auburn almost had a 60-60-90 um, slash line against the Gamecocks when the Gamecocks traveled to the planes for that game. There are not many teams in the country that would be able to stay within 30 when a team shooting 60% from two 62% from three and almost 90% from the free throw line. So that's a game. You kind of got to wash. I don't think anybody had Virginia tech beating Virginia by 34 points tonight. I know if you look at Ken Palm, Ken Palm had Virginia winning by three, even if you go to this past weekend and you see what Connecticut did to Marquette, beating them by 28 points, sometimes it's just another team's night. And that can happen when you're in a road environment and a team gets hot, the crowd gets behind them and it becomes just a raucous environment. And that, that's what happened in all three of those games. We talked about the Auburn game, uh, this Virginia tech, Virginia game tonight, and then the um, Marquette Connecticut game. So um, eh, sometimes, and that's basketball I mean, basketball is, you know, it's a game of runs. You know, I had coaches in high school and I've heard college coaches say the same phrase I'm about to share with you, but basketball is a game of runs and you want the best run in the game and you want the last run in the game. And when you, when you look at South Carolina's season so far and a lot of the losses, South Carolina, you know, in the beginning of the game, the middle of the game, early first half has had the, the best run in the game thus far and haven't been able to close it out in some of those losses and you know that last run of the game when it's combined with the best run in the game it's hard to overcome but we'll talk plenty about basketball we got a lot to get to tonight especially on the basketball side we're probably going to devote the rest of the show to basketball so um go ahead and get your questions ready um any comments you have anything you need to get off your chest um, this is a safe space for you <laughs> and we'll we'll talk all about basketball starting after these words from our sponsors. Hey, everyone. This is John Weiss Jr. And I'm with the House of Hope of the PD, a faith-based ministry focused on homelessness and men, women, and children. We are so excited for the Evening of Hope Jeff Foxworthy event on March 11th at the Florence Center. For general Missions. tickets, please visit Ticketmaster. And if you're interested in table or other sponsorship opportunities, please contact me directly at 843- Six six seven nine thousand. Thank you so much for your support. God bless. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans, where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, in, in, which is today Bourbon County. With Kizzit Free Shoes, Motion sounds something like this. all right guys we're back um obviously you know we are supported by chicken cock whiskey um if you if you need some whiskey in your life go grab some from chicken cock you can find it on the chief sports network app um you can go there go to the chicken cock whiskey um little um button and you can find the closest chicken cock in your area so go grab some of that um me and my brother have enjoyed a little bit of chicken cock whiskey here lately it's been been a really good drink um So outside of that, I do want to make note of the evening of hope that we, that was just referenced um, last time out. Um, That's in Florence, South Carolina. That's where I'm from. Jeff Foxworthy, who is very instrumental in the homeless community in Atlanta um, every week, not only does he pay for the food that is, that is um, served to homeless folks, but he's also there most more often than not actually serving the food. Um, He'll be in Florence, South Carolina. It's going to be a great event. He's going to do a whole comedy show, and then he'll talk a little bit about his involvement in, in this particular nonprofit and other nonprofits that he supports around the homeless community. Uh, they still have um, tables available. They still have general admission available. Uh, I'll be there. It's going to be a great night. And, um, you know, if you're in the, in the PD area, if you're in Florence, if you want to make the drive to see Jeff Foxworthy, it's going to, it's going to be really, really, really fun. And, and, you know, we'll get together. Maybe we'll have um, – you know, happy hour before it if you guys want to come join me for it. But, yeah, getting back to the Gamecocks, um, uh, I guess, you know, we talked about the Auburn game. I agree with Craig here. They played a perfect game. You know, I don't know if some NBA teams would have lost to them because I think NBA teams would have scored more than South Carolina did. But I know that the the LSU game was tough. You know, I was there covering that game for the Big Spur. It, it, it was a – it's a difficult game when, you know, we've said all season. That you, the Gamecocks, want to be able to play physical, they don't want a lot of fouls called. Uh, they, they want to be able to play their brand of basketball, and and they did for a large portion of that game. Uh, just looking at it really quick, and this is one of the things I love about Ken Palm, but going back to that LSU game with 16 minutes and 58 seconds left in the game, South Carolina had a 16 point lead. Uh, the score was 41 to 25. And LSU had a win probability of 3.5%. Um, it's one of those things that when they show that on the ESPN broadcast, you know, the percentage chance to win a game when a team's down or something like that. You see it a lot in football and not so much in basketball, but it, it had to be a situation where virtually everything went LSU's way in the last 16 minutes of the game. And, and it did. Um, it did. Um, there's no excuse for for blowing a 16-point lead. Um, Lamont Paris said as much in the press conference. Uh, it, it was just tough because it, it was kind of the same same kind of feeling as the Ole Miss game at home a couple of weeks back where Gamecocks got out to like a 15, 16, 17-point lead, something like that, and Ole Miss you know, cut it to three, I think, and then the Gamecocks found a way to win in the, in the closing minute of that game in the closing seconds and you know we go back to you know the the Georgia game at Georgia where the Gamecocks you know won by what was it like eight or ten points something like that but if that game had been played another five minutes the Gamecocks might have won by 20 or 25 points well same kind of thing I can say about the South Carolina versus Ole Miss game if that game had been played another five minutes Ole Miss might have won that game by 10 um, South Carolina simply didn't execute on things that they normally do uh, you know, some uncharacteristic turnovers, some shots that, you know, normally go in for the Gamecocks that didn't a little bit of bad shots, some defensive breakdowns. I think that the same way that the Gamecocks kind of gave the blueprint to beat Kentucky for a little bit. I think Ole Miss kind of gave the blue point to beating South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina did a really good job against Ole Miss in um, the high post pick and roll. Uh, Ole Miss tried to run that play the entire first half and could not get anything going. And then in the second half, they found a way to get downhill with it. They brought that seven foot nine, seven foot ten, eight foot guy in, and they started running that action. And then keeping him in on defense, and the Gamecocks really had no answer. Uh LSU just kept coming, and you know it's a, it's a unique situation when the Gamecocks or any basketball team has a lead and makes. Two three pointers in like the last 90 seconds of the game and loses. Um, LSU coach Matt McMahon said exactly that in his press conference. He said, I don't think I've ever been a part of a game where a team has a lead and they hit two three pointers in the last 60 to 90 seconds of a game and, and lose. Um, it was just one of those situations that that's a fluky thing, a freaky thing. It happens, you know, maybe once or twice a season in college basketball and it happened. Uh, the Gamecocks had a one-point lead with 15.7 seconds left. Ole Miss only had two personal fouls in the second half. Uh, I looked at Alex Jones, who was sitting next to me, and I said, "Wow, uh, they got a foul five times in the next 15 seconds, uh, just to get to the Gamecocks to the free throw line, and then it becomes, you know, potentially a, a two-three point game. And you know, Ole Miss comes down and they they take a shot. Maybe they miss it. Maybe they make it." And then the Gamecocks get a rebound to get the ball back, and they have to foul again, and the game gets just gets shortened. Uh, It's kind of inexcusable for the Gamecocks to lose that game, even in you know forget about the sixteen point lead. Let's just talk about a one point lead with fifteen point seven seconds left, and the other team has to foul five times in fifteen seconds to even get a chance to get the ball back. Um, In those situations, you're always going to see the the team that's down by one with fouls to give play very, very aggressive defense. I'm not a big referee blue, you know, cost Carolina a game or causes cost anybody a game unless it's absolutely egregious. Uh, you know, the one person that you probably didn't want to get the ball in that out of balance situation is BJ BJ Mack. And, and you definitely don't want BJ Mack to get the ball um, in front of the, the LSU bench with a trap coming and, you know, not able to get the ball out. Um, you know, BJ Mack, to his credit, said that, you know, he needs to be stronger with the ball. He needed to move through the contact, move through the guys trying to get the jump ball. Uh, BJ said it in the post in the post game press conference. We knew that LSU had the possession. Uh, BJ also said that I knew I had a timeout in my back pocket. Lamont had a timeout in his back pocket. Uh, Lamont just said that the players did not execute. You know what was told to them in that last you know, 15 seconds and it's hard. I think it's hard for a coach. I think it's hard for players. Um, it's, a it's a tight situation. It's, uh, you know, you, you take a, a millisecond and the game can completely change and that's what happened to the Gamecocks. Uh, you know, the Lamont said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to not shoulder this blame there. There must've been, a misunderstanding or miscommunication because we told the players exactly what to do and that the opposite happened. So those things happen in basketball. Those things happen in life and the Gamecocks will have to learn from it. I'll put it this way. I don't think I've ever seen a more dejected player than Colin Murray Boyles in the post-game press conference. Um, If you haven't watched it, uh, it'll, it'll make, it'll, it'll it'll make your heart hurt. Um, That's a, that's a kid that really cares and a kid that, was hurt by the ending of that game and he played a great game and to have the foul called on him that, that gave LSU the chance to, to you know take the lead and then to have the game end that way. It's unfortunate. I thought the Gamecocks were very fortunate to even get a shot off with, you know, less than five seconds and LSU having five fouls still to give. I thought that it was just, um, it- it was a situation that you only see, you know, maybe once a year in college basketball and it happened to the Gamecocks. Uh, there's no sugar coat in it. Uh, the Gamecocks did not need a, a Q3 loss. They just didn't need one. If they had avoided that loss, you know, I think that a lot of the, the LSU game could have been, you know, as they as they say, flushed and you move on to a week break. But that's not what happened. The Gamecocks are going to have to get themselves up off the mat. They're going to have to regroup a little bit, and it's the perfect time to have a, a week off. I know uh, the Gamecocks didn't practice on Sunday. They had a little bit of a light practice today. They're going to have Wednesday off, and and a lot of that time is going to be, you know, physically physically regrouping, physically getting healthy, mentally regrouping, you know, mentally getting their minds right, and they're going to travel to Ole Miss on Saturday. And, you know, it's a, it's a Q1 game. The rest of the games are Q1 games. Um, <laughs> Gamecocks can't really hurt themselves anymore um, going forward. It's, it's now just kind of playing for, for seating in the SEC tournament. And, you know, also playing for seeding in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I know that on the big spur on different message boards, social media, um, even my friends who I think are, are pretty smart basketball guys, um, they all kind of say, wow, like, I don't think the Gamecocks are locks anymore. I I feel like the Gamecocks are probably still a lock. You look at cbssports.com, ESPN.com, they do their bubble watch. They all have the Gamecocks as locks. And when they lock a team up, the, the assumption there is that that team can lose every game on the rest of their schedule and still make the NCAA tournament. Now, does that mean that you're going to be a five seed in the NCAA tournament if you lose every game. Absolutely not. Does that mean that if you lose every game, you might be in Dayton in a playing game as an 11 seed or a 12 seed or a 13 seed or something like that? Yeah, that, that's what it means. I mean, the Gamecocks let a, a really big opportunity slip slip through their fingertips, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, before we before we go a little bit further, I kind of want to catch up with the chat box. You know, I, I see a lot of stuff going on in here on chat row. Uh Michael says we really need to see the Talon Cooper we saw a few weeks ago. He hasn't been an, as aggressive with the ball. Yeah, and Mike Morgan kind of said this. Mike, Mike said on the show, he said, you know, Talon is playing a lot of minutes. And we brought up how many minutes Talon's playing. Um, Alex and I did that last week. And those minutes pile up, and you know, guys can be Iron Men. They can try and be Cal Ripken Jr., but you know, there's a lot that goes into the mental game, the you know, how your body responds to things and, you know, how, how you, how fast you play when you're, when you're tired. And for Talon, I I don't think Talon would make that excuse. I don't think that, you know, it's a ginormous deal. I think that, you know, there has been a, an emergence of Colin Murray Boyles. I mean, he's clearly the Gamecocks go-to guy right now, him and BJ Mack. And, and Talon might be, you know, trying to get, get those guys going. I don't know. I mean, you know, you look at, you look at Michi Johnson and Michi put up a you know, goose egg against LSU. Gamecocks aren't going to win many games when Michi puts up a goose egg. And, and I know that you know, right now he kind of went into the con, concussion protocol um, after that um, injury he took against LSU. I think that if he had been on the court the last minute or two minutes of the game, that, that game probably might have ended differently. Uh, there's no way to say. But, um, you know, odds are, you know, knowing Michi Johnson and what Michi Johnson has done for the Gamecocks this year, I think the game might have ended differently. Uh, Michael Lynn here says Saturday Ole Miss is a crucial game just for our morale and confidence. Yeah, I think so. I think I think so. I think that um, it's a golden opportunity for the Gamecocks to get a quad one win against a team that's not in the upper echelon of what a quad one would quad one game would normally be. Uh, Gamecocks are getting the benefit of playing them on the road. Uh, when I say the benefit, it doesn't mean it's going to be an easy game. But, but what I mean by that is that the Gamecocks are not playing Tennessee on the road, Alabama on the road, Auburn on the road, even Kentucky on the road, even though Kentucky struggled to erupt here lately. But you know you have an opportunity to face a team that you've already played against, a team that you got up to a, a substantial lead against and had to hold on for a victory. And I think that you're going to see a lot of things in film that the Gamecocks are going to be able to prepare for this week to make some changes. We saw what happened um, when the Gamecocks played Georgia and Missouri for a second time this year. Uh, the Missouri game, the first game of the, the first SEC game of the year. No, it wasn't the first SEC game, maybe the first SEC Road game. But the Gamecocks um, went to overtime and beat Missouri. And then they pretty soundly beat Missouri. They consistently had a 10 point lead in that game the second time they played them. Uh, you can say the same thing for the Georgia game. You know Georgia came out hot in the first half, had a four point lead. Gamecocks took control in the second half. Uh, there is a benefit to seeing a team twice, and Ole Miss has you know been hit or miss this year. They they kind of win the games that they're supposed to win and lose the games they're supposed to lose. Uh, I would imagine the Gamecocks will probably be an underdog in that game. Um, not exactly sure. I got to wait. You know, we'll see you on Friday or Saturday when the lines come out. I know that. Right now, um, Ken Palm has the Gamecocks as a two point underdog, and Bart Torvik has the Gamecocks as a three point underdog on the road against Ole Miss. But remember, a two or three point underdog is one possession. It's, it's, not, it's not the Gamecocks are definitely going to lose that game, and Ole Miss is definitely going to win. Uh, Michi and Talon will probably get going here soon. I think that, that this rests right now, this week, this week little break, is going to allow the Gamecocks to kind of figure out what they want to do offensively, how they can get all all cylinders going in in you know one direction, and keep Colin Murray Boyle's doing what he's doing, keep BJ Mack doing what he's doing, and and then get Talon and Michi going. If the Gamecocks can get you know somewhere in the range of ten to twenty points per game out of those four guys going forward, with the way that the Gamecocks you know play on offense, how they limit possessions, and they play defensively. Uh, They're still going to be a really, really tough team to play. So getting them going in this stretch is going to be huge. Uh, Let's see. Craig says need a week to regroup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe get a fire lit under them. I I I kind of agree. I don't know how if I 100% agree. I don't. I think that you know when you rattle off seven straight SEC wins, um, they're they're doing just fine. Uh, It's just you know. Every team in the league is probably going to have a two-game losing streak. I think Tennessee is the only team in the league that doesn't have a two-game losing streak. Um, maybe Alabama. I have to go back and look, but um, you know, Tennessee and Alabama are probably the only two teams that don't have a two-game losing streak. Um, Gamecocks, you know, losing three in a row. I'd start throwing some 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 flares up. You know, some not SOS, but just all right, guys, regroup because you know you got you got another road game after this. You got to go play Texas A and M. On Saturday, on um, I guess would that be like Tuesday or Wednesday, um, next week? So, uh, Craig says that he was um in in the corner where Jacoby took the last shot, so dejected leaving that game. Yeah, I can't believe they got that shot off. I, I did not think they were going to get a shot off. I thought that it was an interesting dynamic there, Craig, because you know if it's a three pointer and you're trying to foul and Jacoby Talon, whoever gets the shot off, now it's a three point three point opportunity the free throw line and you only got to make two to win the game so um it was going to be interesting and i think that you know both both coaches i think matt mcmahon and and lamont Parrish learned from that situation they'll be better going forward uh michael i don't have an update on michi right now um you know it's not the nfl so it's not a strict concussion protocol but he's gonna have to clear some clear some hurdles um let's see yep um tough one tough one tough one i agree uh jay Diz says was um studio point shaving that dude straight lost his mind he just gave lsu the ball like three times look i think that when you don't have michi and you don't have Talon on the court at the same time the gamecock offense has gotten a little bit helter-skelter-ish a little bit rushed a little bit um guys that aren't normally you know starting the offense or, or pushing the offense they're more um off ball guys who kind of you know, wait for the offense to, to get rolling. So I just don't think Studi was in a great position. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't think that going forward, they won't in that position. Um, Iowa state has six points with nine twenty left in the half. Yeah. I got the game up right here. Actually. I'm um, first time looking up at it. I think that Houston was an eight and a half point favorite in this game. Kim Palm had it at nine, but I wanted to look at it because you know, Iowa state Houston number six in the country versus number two in the country. Houston might have the best defense I've ever seen. And that's not a knock on, you know, those Virginia teams a couple years back, even Houston a couple years back, um, Houston even, like, last year. But, yeah, this, this is always going to be a tough game for Iowa State. They, they don't really travel that well, or at least they hadn't um, up until, like, the last month of the season. But, yeah, give me be a good game. Watch it. I'm, I'm going to check it out as soon as we get off the air here. But... um Let's take one more break, and then what I want to do is I kind of want to go through the rest of the Gamecock um, basketball schedule and kind of talk some big-picture things about the NCAA tournament and and where I think the Gamecocks sit right now. So, Phil, let's have one more word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that. Emergencies and accidents happen. When you're in the middle of a fire or water event, all you want is for things to return to normal as soon as possible. Resto Pros of the Midlands is with you. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com Open 24-7 when you need them. Quality that is guaranteed. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie Vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Oh, man, the building is on fire. During and after natural disasters or accidents, there can be a heavy loss to property. Resto Pros of the Midlands is here to help. Open 24-7. Call them when you need them. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com Quality that is guaranteed. welcome back everybody uh <clears throat> so we kind of we kind of talked about the lsu game we've talked about the auburn game we've talked about the disappointment that is um kind of flowing through gamecock land right now and and we all know that you know sometimes you know gamecock fans can can kind of you know kind of have the feel like the world's crashing down on your right and I, I don't think that's the case for the gamecocks right now i think that as you as you look going forward, the Gamecocks are still in a really, really, really good position. Um, no doubt a quad three loss hurts you at this time in the year, but the Gamecocks had done so much throughout the season to get to this point. The Gamecocks are still eight and three in road and neutral games on the season. The Gamecocks do have three road games to, to close out the regular season. And then they have the SEC tournament, which is, you know, neutral, neutral court environment uh gamecocks you know the 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 net and the quads giveth and they taketh away uh the gamecocks had had eight quad 1 and quad 2 victories uh coming into coming into saturday and when once all the dust settled on monday um the gamecocks lost one of those quad 1 victories as arkansas fell out of a quad 1 game but as we talked about at the start of the show or maybe halfway through the show whatever it was Um, Virginia losing to Virginia tech in the fashion that they did, uh, Virginia tech was not that far away from being a quad one game for the Gamecocks again, if it's not already, but that's just going to, you know, pump that up a little bit more. Uh, it's, it's all going to fluctuate at this point. I mean, let me look for Virginia tech in here. Uh, Virginia tech. Yeah. Virginia tech was 62nd in the net. So that. And this might have already updated, but that, that's a quad one, a quad, yeah, quad two win. So that might even bump up a little bit more. Um, but you look at it, South Carolina right now, let me, where are they? Uh, South Carolina, seven and three in quad one, six and or seven and three in quad one and quad two, six and two in quad three games and eight and oh, in quad four games. As you look at, you know, the rest of the, the country, and that's why I always say, when we talk about these types of situations, there are so many games that happen in a week and South Carolina is just one or two of those inputs over the course of the entire week. If you look at, you know, last week, you know, if you go from Monday to Sunday, so Monday night, just like we're sitting here right now, go a week into the past and go through last night's games. Uh, There were 328 college basketball games that were played. So, there's so much that happens, not even pertaining to South Carolina's games or South Carolina's opponents or the rest of the SEC. It's the opponents of opponents. <laughs> it's it's um it's it's a crazy thing that to watch it all kind of come together. But the Gamecocks, you know, while they don't have a great net rating, they're 58th in, in the net rating system. Remember, the net is a sorting tool, and when you sort this out, you know, right now there are probably If you look at it, I'd say Purdue, Connecticut, Kansas, North Carolina, Creighton, and like it or not, Wisconsin have kind of, and and Houston and Arizona as well, and, and maybe Marquette and Baylor, but those are the only teams in the country. So Purdue, Connecticut, Kansas, North Carolina, Creighton, Wisconsin, Houston, Arizona, Marquette, and Baylor. Those are the only teams in the country, and that's 10 teams that have at least 10 quad one and quad two wins on the season. After that, you have one, two, three, four, five teams that have nine quad one and quad two wins. Then you have a handful of teams with eight and a handful of teams with seven quad one and quad two wins. And that's where South Carolina sits right now. Seven quad one and quad two wins. Uh, the Gamecocks, you know, with that being said, are three and three in, in quad one opportunities. Okay, so what does that tell you? The Gamecocks have five more <laughs> Quad one opportunities. If they keep doing what they've done this entire season, then the odds are they might win, you know, three of those games, you know, two or three of those games. If you just say, you know, what's happened lately, and, and Jay Diz, yeah, um, I think we can win three or more of the last five. The week off is so needed right now. It's just a week too late for us. We'll look better after the rest. Yeah, I, I think that you have an opportunity to do more of a scout on the rest of your five opponents. Um, of those five opponents, you've already played Ole Miss and you've already played Tennessee and you've already played Mississippi state. So those scouts become a little bit easier. And you know, the other side of that coin is it becomes a little bit easier for the other team to scout you as well, but the Gamecocks aren't hiding anything about what they do on offense. And they're not hiding anything, what they do on defense. They've been very successful this season because of what they do on offense and defense. And just looking at these games, I think it's kind of important. I think that the The computer metrics and the computer predictions and the models and all of that, they're going to be really, really good, but they're not perfect. Um, I actually pulled all of last week's games versus what Ken Palm predicted versus what, what happened. And Ken Palm favorites won 237 games last week and lost 91. So that's 328 games that Ken Palm had something, some kind of prediction for. So that's a, a win percentage of 72.3% for the favorites. So when you look at the Gamecocks the rest of the way, they're, they're probably going to be two or three point underdogs at Ole Miss, uh, probably three or four point underdogs, underdogs at Texas A&M. But that margin of difference is so low. It, it's it's a one or two possession game that Ken Palm could be wrong on those. And Bart Torvick could be wrong on those. They didn't have South Carolina beating Kentucky. They didn't have South Carolina beating Tennessee. They didn't have South Carolina beating Georgia. At Georgia. Uh, they had. They had the Gamecocks with a six and twelve predicted conference record at the start of the season. So the Gamecocks have already surpassed that. And I think sometimes the computer metrics take a little bit longer to catch up to teams that you know weren't necessarily highly rated at the start of the season. So, you know, looking through the rest of the games, you have at Ole Miss. You know, the computers say two and a half point underdogs. You have that Texas A&M. The computers say three and a half point underdogs. You have Florida. The game. the the computers say Florida at home. The computers say, you know, half, half a point favorite, uh, Tennessee at home, four and a half point underdog and crazy enough, the computers have at Mississippi state as the toughest game for the Gamecocks, the rest of the way. And all of these are quad one games. Ole Miss is a quad one game. Texas A&M is a quad one game. Florida's a quad one game and then Tennessee and at and Mississippi state are what they call quad one a, which just means it's like the upper upper echelon of quad one opportunities. So the Gamecocks already with seven of these quad one and two wins and three in quad one, there are not a lot of teams in the country that have the opportunity to, you know, get the wins. The Gamecocks have an opportunity to win, but on the flip side of that, some of these losses that other teams can can take that are around the Gamecocks are going to be quad three, quad four, quad 2 variety. So the Gamecocks have nothing but opportunity in front of them. and that's the key takeaway here. I guarantee you that Lamont Paris, his coaching staff, and his players aren't sitting around saying, "Well, you know, we're probably going to lose these lose four of these five games because that's what the computers say. They're not saying that. They're going to go try and win every single game, and they, they've already beaten Ole Miss, they've already beaten Tennessee, and they've already beaten Mississippi State. They have no reason to think they can't do that again. Absolutely no reason. Um, so all these games are quad one. Right now, I think that the Gamecocks probably need to – obviously, they're, they're, they're trying to play for the SEC championship. And Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida are. Probably the teams that you know are the one, two, three, four, five, six that have a reasonable chance to win the SEC championship. Um, South Carolina only plays one of those teams the rest of the way. That's it. One of those teams that they're kind of competing with for the SEC championship. So um, you look at Alabama; their next game is against Florida. Tennessee against Missouri. Auburn against Georgia. South Carolina at Ole Miss. Kentucky plays LSU. So, and then Florida, you know, they play Alabama, like we just talked about. So one of Alabama or Florida is going to take a loss here. And that just either gives the Gamecocks opportunity to get a win against Ole Miss and climb higher in the SEC standings, or, you know, they take a loss and they're still, you know, just one game, one game less back from Alabama or, you know, one game up or tie with Florida. So, So much left to play for. Uh, Right now, the Ken Palm has Alabama projected to go 14 and four in the SEC, Tennessee 13 and five, Auburn 13 and five, Kentucky 12 and six, Florida 12 and six, the Gamecocks 11 and seven. Um, There's no other team in the SEC that's predicted to get more than nine conference wins. So, right now, I think for the Gamecocks, the ultimate goal is to find a way to be a top four team when it comes to the SEC basketball tournament. Uh, those double buys or single buys, whatever it is, the buy situation is very important for SEC teams when it gets to the SEC tournament because – and the biggest reason is you, you're likely not going to play a team that can hurt you when it comes to the NCAA tournament and seeding. Um, by that point in the in the tournament, you know, some of these teams that might get an upset, maybe two upsets, they're going to have tired legs. They've played two or three games in a row but by the time they get to you. um, it's a likely an easier game or you're playing a team that's of your caliber. Probably all these games are going to be quad one if the Gamecocks can make it to, you know, get, be a top four team in the SEC tournament. It's just another quad one opportunity. And right now, you know, it's weird. Um, these computers and the way they work, we talked about CBS sports and ESPN locking up the Gamecocks and saying they're a lock for the NCAA tournament. Um, that, that can, that, that, that's probably, probably true. Um, Bart Torvik, that website's pretty cool, I think. And it's on barttorvik.com. If you want to go check it out, there's a lot of free features there that I love. Um, after the Gamecocks beat Tennessee and then they beat Vanderbilt, I think it was the Vanderbilt game. I looked at it before. Yeah. Um, he had the Gamecocks at a 92% chance to make the NCAA tournament. Now, after the loss to Auburn and the loss to LSU, it dropped to 75% that's still a three out of four chance. And the reason is because the Gamecocks have no opportunities to, to mess up their resume at this point. All they have are opportunities to improve their resume and outside of teams in the big 10, the big 12 and the sec. I'd say that, you know, those are the top three conferences in the country right now. Um, Oh, and yeah, big East, you got to throw the big East in there. Um, These teams in the ACC, these teams in the Pac-12, these teams in the Mountain West, the A-10, American Athletic, the Missouri Valley, West Coast Conference, they don't have the opportunities that SEC teams and Big Ten and Big 12 and Big East teams have to improve improve their resume. So any loss they take is likely going to be a bad loss. So when you look at all these teams that are around the Gamecocks, that's why the Gamecocks have like a 75% chance, according to Bart Torvik. And that's why ESPN and CBS have locked them into the NCAA tournament. Because the Gamecocks have done so well to this point that the computer metrics, you know, whatever, but the actual metrics that matter, you know, looking at it right now, um, strength of record, the Gamecocks have um, the, where is it? 15th best strength of record in the country. They have the 24th best KPI in the country. That's why when, you know, the CBS showed the, you know, the early, you know, selection committee top four seeds, why Gary Parish was, had the Gamecocks as the top four seed, even after the loss to Auburn, because the Gamecocks had a resume that stood out as one of the top 16 teams in the country. Gamecocks took a bad L to LSU at home, but it's not a crippling L. Um, in Gamecock Lane, it can feel like a crippling loss, but it's really not. It's a one-point loss at home. That's what that that's what the selection committee is going to see. And who knows, LSU might rattle some stuff off. I don't think that you know they're going to get to quad two range without you know basically running the table. But it, it's not that crippling. And and, and you look at like team like Wisconsin, who's been struggling mightily. But guess what, Wisconsin has Wisconsin has. 11 quad one and quad two wins on the season and nine losses. So despite, you know, Wisconsin struggling and losing like, I think like four out of their last five, the selection committee still had them as a four seed. That's what you have to pay attention to when it comes to the Gamecocks. Right now, I think the Gamecocks are probably in that five to seven seed line range. That's where I would have them. If I'm, if I'm a Gamecock fan, I want to be a six seed. I don't I don't think Gamecock fans really want to be a four seed if, if you have intentions of going far in the NCAA tournament because if you're a four or five seed, then in the Sweet 16, if you get that far, you're matched up likely against the number one seed. But if you're a six seed, you play an 11 seed. The 11 seed is probably a team from another Power Five conference that limped into the NCAA tournament, already played a game in Dayton. The 6-11 matchup is pretty good for the six seeds. And then, you know, if you win, yeah, you play a three seed, and then you play a two seed in the Sweet 16. But um, I think long-term, you'd rather avoid those those one seeds, especially this year, because I do think that Purdue, Houston, Connecticut, you know, three of those four, you know, top top overall seeds, those one seeds are going to be pretty tough to beat. So if you can avoid them, I think you do want to avoid them. But, you know, right now the, the, Gamecocks, are, the Gamecocks are fine. It doesn't look fine because we all look at the Gamecock basketball team under a microscope. Everything is magnified. But in the grand scheme of the entire college basketball picture, the Gamecocks are still looking pretty strong when it comes to a tournament and, and pretty strong seed. Um, let's see here. Uh, we need to win the next two on the road. Three and two in the next five should get us in. Would be nice to get in the top four of the conference. Yeah. Like we talked about getting to the top four of the conference would be really nice. Um, I don't, I don't think you have to go three and two to get into the NCAA tournament. I think you can go one and four. I think you can go and five. I really, I really do think the Gamecocks are probably in the NCAA tournament right now. Crazy things happen. Not saying they don't crazy things do, do happen. Um, but you know, where the Gamecocks stand against the rest of the country is something that I would encourage everybody to pay attention to. Um, you know, go to BartTorvik.com, go to the um, Funalytics, the team sheet ranks, um, and you can play around with this and you can see exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to where the Gamecocks stand, you know, right now. But, y'all, I just tell you, if you're a Gamecock fan, don't lose hope. Don't Don't think that the sky is falling because I don't think it is. And we got a couple days to wait. Um, that wait's always the longest when you're waiting a whole week to to watch your basketball team play. Um, yeah. Um, Jay does is right. Thornwell's year. We, um, the Gamecocks limped into the tourney that year. I think they were a seven seed. Yeah, they were a seven seed. They beat Marquette. Then they beat Duke. Then they beat Baylor. Then they beat Florida. And they were, they were in the final four. So how about the Gamecocks? Just, just do that again. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, I agree. Let's not chance it. Let's not chance it. You know, Gamecocks have proven they can, they can, they can win against quad one teams. That's what they have left on their schedule. Three road games, two home games, And every single one of them is, you know, if you don't believe right now, just get one of those wins and lock it up in in your mind. Cause I'm telling you that that's, that's most likely the case. If you, if you follow Bart Torvik, um, you'll see, you know, if the Gamecocks, if the Gamecocks beat Ole Miss, I guarantee that 75% goes up to like an 82, 83% chance to make the NCAA tournament. And then you got four games left. If you split those, it's going to be like 99% chance. So um I promise I promise I'll keep you abreast of everything. I'm sure I'll be on the show on Wednesday. Um you know I'm always on that show usually around 12 1 o'clock, give or take. Um but you can always follow the um Inside the Gamecocks Instagram to see who's on the show that day. I think JB usually puts it up on the bigspur.com. If you're not a member of the bigspur.com, I highly encourage you to pop in. They just dropped a, a VIP room that has a lot of good nuggets in it and um, you'll always be able to talk Gamecocks with fellow fans and and have some of the, you know, for my money, the best insiders that cover the Gamecocks um, spitting information at, at you 24 um, 7. So that's going to do it for tonight's show. I really appreciate everybody for joining me. Uh, I say it every single episode and I really do mean it. Thank you all so much for giving me the most valuable thing you have. That's your time. Um, really appreciate it. It never goes unnoticed. And you guys and gals make this possible for me to do it. So, Thank you so much, and um, I will talk to you Wednesday, and if not then, um, you know, we'll be right back here on Monday, hopefully talking about a big Gamecock win. Y'all have a great night. Talk to you soon.